I want to talk to you about dreams, and I'll read several scriptures. You don't have to turn in your Bibles. They'll put them on the screen if you'd like. But dreams are one of the most overlooked forms of communication that are used by God. The Word of God consistently reveals God as speaking to people through this universally experienced and mysterious phenomenon. So let's talk about some biblical reasons for dreams. Let's look at a few. Number one, God gives dreams to warn global leaders of future events. You might think that leaders who are leading that are ungodly, that they're away from God and that God can't speak to them. I want to tell you, God has unfettered access to the White House, to the Capitol, to the Kremlin. He can go anywhere he wants to go. I heard David Wilkerson tell a story of how he was doing missions work in Poland when Poland was still a communist nation and the generals in their army that were avowed atheists and communists would pull him to the side and talk to him and they would begin to talk to him about how God was speaking to them and God was drawing them to himself. I remember when the Soviet Union broke up when Mikhail Gorbachev was a part of a coup and Boris Yeltsin at that point was the president of Russia. And if you remember the breakup and Boris Yeltsin came to power in Russia during that time, we were at a, a meeting has been many, many years ago. We, we didn't have any children in those days. We were just starting out in ministry, and we had received a scholarship to go to the Billy Graham School of Evangelism, and we had gone to this beautiful place in the mountains, and uh, they put us in this nice accommodations. And I remember they slipped him in one night during prayer, and he addressed us, and he said, I've just come from Moscow, and I was at the Kremlin, and he said, I witnessed to Mikhail Gorbachev, and I told him about how to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, not only that, but also witnessed to Boris Yeltsin, and it was not long after that that all that stuff happened. Listen, God has Daniel's positioned in places of authority to speak to those leaders. And we may think that they have no, no ears to hear what the Lord would say, but I want to tell you, God has his ways of getting his words to them. Now, whether they obey him or not is a, a, different, a different story. But I thought when all that took place, how God strategically placed Billy Graham there to witness to those men about the Lord Jesus Christ. So God will give dreams to global leaders to warn them of future events. He'll provide revelation to his prophets. The Bible says in Numbers 12, 6, that one of the signs of an Old Testament prophet was that they would have dreams from God. He will warn us of certain decisions in Matthew 27, 17 through 19. That's where Pilate's wife had the dream that warned her about the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll reveal his divine destiny for our lives in Genesis 37, 5 through 8. You remember the story of Joseph. He'll answer our recent petitions and prayers, sometimes in dreams. Now, the question is, does God use dreams today? Well, Acts 2, 17 confirms that God uses dreams as a means of communication to his people today. Listen to what it says. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I dream a lot of dreams, so that must mean I'm old. But it's really not talking about old in the sense of age. It's talking about more old in the sense of maturity in the things of God. And God still speaks to his people in dreams. Can you say amen? Dreams are messages that are sent either by God's spirit or from your own soul, which comprises the mind, the will, and the emotion. 
The subconscious mind within your soul provides the background or the, or the screen for these messages to be broadcast on. Webster's Dictionary defines dreams as a succession of images or ideas present in the mind during sleep. One word for dream in the Greek language is a nupnion, which is defined as something seen in sleep or a vision in a dream. I love what Brian Carraway writes. He said, dreaming is a natural physiological function that is common to every human being and is necessary for maintaining adequate mental and emotional health. If one is deprived of REM sleep, the sleep cycle at which dreaming occurs, for a substantial length of time, the person can, in- can incur serious medical and mental complications. Sleep deprivation is a very dangerous thing to us. So while most of our dreams are just a result of natural human functioning, every Christian needs to be aware that God will sometimes use this natural function in a supernatural way. Spiritual dreams are inspired by God. Then they are communicated by the Holy Spirit to our subconscious mind. They must then be received and discerned by our conscious minds through the interpretation of the Holy Spirit. This is, see, now when God speaks to you through his spirit, he speaks into your conscious mind, into your spirit man. But when God speaks in dreams, he speaks into your subconscious mind. It then has to be discerned and understood in your conscious mind. And dreams work with the gifts of the spirit. And I will talk about that a little more as we get into it. So a dream is a series of thoughts, images, or emotions that appear in our minds during sleep. Sometimes they're straightforward, but most of the time they are not. Dreams are often parabolic in nature, and in other words, like the parables of Jesus, the meaning of a dream is sometimes hidden. One commentator that I read said that the dream language is the language of heaven. There is a language of dreams. How many of you know that music is a language? How, how many of you read music? Believe it or not, I read music. And, you know, I took piano, so I read music. But music is a universal language. It is a language other than the English language or Spanish. There's a dream language in the Bible. And it's an understanding of the Word of God that helps us to understand how God speaks to us in dreams. Now, there are books you can buy about it. There are catalogs. There are websites you can look at. And sometimes those are helpful. Sometimes they're not. Because something may mean something to you that doesn't mean anything to me. But they're parabolic in nature. They're like parables. You know, Jesus spoke in parables, which were really earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. So God will take something common to us, and he'll cause us to dream about it, but it has some kind of heavenly meaning. So God is still speaking today, and he uses a a variety of means to communicate with us. Number one, he speaks through the logos or, or, or the written word of God. How many of you know God speaks through this book right here? Matter of fact, everything he says has to be weighed in this book. God speaks through the written word of God. He also speaks through what we call the rhema word of God. The logos is the whole of God's word. The rhema word is basically a word from the word. And what God does is he speaks to us out of the word. Maybe you're reading a scripture and that scripture just leaps off the page and something jumps in your spirit. Something jumps in your heart. You feel something quickened in you. That's the rhema word of God. It can be a prophetic word that's spoken or it can come through the gifts of the spirit. He also speaks through the inner witness of our spirits. Now listen, hearing the voice of God is not reserved for just clergy. How many of you know clergy and laity are not scriptural terms? That's something we produced. That's, that's come out of, out of tradition down through the years through church history. If you go back and study church history, you'll find that up until about 316 A.D. when Constantine legalized Christianity and made 
Christianity the state religion. Up until that time, we had a, a more pure brand of, uh, of Christianity. And, and it really had Hebrew roots in it. But after that time, we blended it. What happened is, is the, the temples. There were no church buildings till 316 AD. There was no church buildings at all. They met in homes. Every Read the New Testament where it talks about the love feast. When they would come together, they usually came together at night. The Jewish people many times came together on the Sabbath, which would have been sundown on Friday nights. They had a love feast. They had a meal together. They had time together where they spent together. So when Paul writes to churches in the New Testament, he's not writing to churches with steeples on them, and he's not writing to these mega churches, you know, with television programs and all those things. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying I want you to picture what Paul is writing to. So there was no such thing as a clergy and a laity. Now, there is a five-fold ministry. There are ministry offices that God assigns, but God means for every believer to have a ministry. So we, that's something we produce, which is, a, which is a professional clergy that's come through the years. And what we've done is we've kind of hired that professional clergy to do all the work of the ministry. And under our model, it'll just about kill a pastor. You run yourself to death trying to take care of everybody's needs when you're really not supposed to. Because there are people in your congregation that are much better gifted by God to do those things than you are as a pastor. But because of the model that we have... And what God has been trying to do down through the ages is he's been trying to bring restoration to his church. And what God is doing in this last day move of God is a restorative move. You're going to see in these last days the church begin to move back toward a New Testament model. We're going to move back towards that if we're going to really thrive and survive in these last days. And who knows what we're going to face even in this nation. But God wants you and I as believers to know his voice. And and there's no exact science on hearing the voice of God. Now, I've developed that discipline in my life through the years, and I'm still developing it. How do you do that? I'm going to pause right here and preach a few minutes. Is this all right? But one of the keys that I've learned is is that many times God will speak to me in, in worship moments. Prayer is not just me monologuing to God. And believe me, I've got a lot to say to him sometimes. But I've learned that I share my needs, but then I quiet myself. I steal myself. And anybody knows me knows that I don't like to be quiet and I don't like to be still. But I've learned to do that, and I listen. And when God speaks to me, I write things down. I take out my little recorder, and I'll say, I feel like God said this. And then I'll ask the Lord, Lord, I want confirmation, because in the mouth of two witnesses, God confirms a matter. God spoke something recently to me, and I've had two confirmations on it just this week. They didn't know, and I didn't tell them. And God used these two individuals to confirm what God was saying to me. So you see, the key is God wants his children to hear his voice. So God can speak through us through the still small voice into our spirit. He can speak through godly counsel. He speaks through biblical preaching and teaching. God can use nature, circumstances, and godly authority to speak in our lives. But we have to develop our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what he's saying. So God can send messages through dreams. And the revival reveals many reasons why God sends messages and speaks through dreams and visions. Why? He has something to say to us. He has something to communicate with us. So how do we understand our dreams? How do we know this dream is a dream from God or this dream was just a dream of my imagination? Well, I like what James Gold wrote. And by the way, I had a dream about him not long ago. Actually, I dreamed about James Gold and President Obama, and I was talking to them. When I woke up, I thought, now, that was some more dream. And I shared it with a, a friend of mine. He said, No, he said, that was from the Lord. I said, are you sure? I just thought maybe I ate too many uh, pickles on my hamburger the night before. He said, no, he said, that was a dream from God. God's trying to marry apostolic authority and governmental authority together. 
You see, we've been disengaged from the government too long. It's time to re-engage. And God will give you an opportunity to speak his word to people who are in authority. Amen. So here's what he writes. He says, does understanding and interpreting dreams seem like a giant maze with no apparent end in sight? Take comfort. Others throughout the ages have felt the same way. But he has a word for us. The Holy Spirit says, I will be your helper. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. John 14, 16. I'll pray the Father. He'll give you another helper. King James Version says comforter. The word there is parakletos. It means one called to the side to help. It can be translated really helper. He says, I'll give you another helper that he may abide with you. How long? Forever. Isn't that awesome? He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, but I'll abide with you forever. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now that word teacher there, one, one thing that I read said it could be better translated as a tutor. Now there's a difference in a teacher that just teaches to a classroom and a tutor. A tutor comes along your side to help you understand what's being taught. The Holy Spirit comes along your side, not just to give you, here's three points and a poem. Here's an outline you can live by. Here's a little nugget that you can get today. No, the Holy Spirit's my teacher. He comes beside me and he says, I'm going to help you understand this. So concerning dreams, we can just talk to the helper. So John 16, 13 through 15, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Now, I love this. He says he's not going to speak on his own initiative, but what he hears, he will speak. He's going to disclose it. He's going to unveil it. <laughs> He's going to open it up to us. Ooh, I love that. And here's what he does. He glorifies Jesus and he will take a mine and will bring it and disclose it to you. Now, the Bible said, Jesus said, I don't do anything except what I hear the father say. He said the same things the father said. Jesus was in complete communion and communication with the father. And he spoke what the father said. The Holy Spirit comes and he takes what? Jesus said that he heard the Father say and he takes it and he opens it to us and discloses it to us. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. See, you can't read and study the word without the precious Holy Spirit opening the word to you. Otherwise, you'll produce legalism or you'll produce religion. See, the Bible says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. See, if I have the letter without the Spirit, the letter is going to bring death and condemnation. But when I put the two together, when I put the two together, oh, it brings revelation. Now, if I have the spirit and don't want to, you know, I just want to go after the spirit, but I don't have no rooting and grounding and understanding in the word of God. I have fanaticism. That's where we get into left field. That's where we get to chasing off after things we shouldn't be chasing after. But understand when I get those two together. See, I don't build my life on prophetic words. I build my life on this word. Prophetic words confirm this word. Prophetic words provide direction, and I weigh them in this word. So the Holy Spirit becomes my teacher. So how do I interpret my dreams? How do I determine if this dream is from the Lord? Well, James 4, 2, you ask. Matthew 7, 8, everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. 
So, now that brings me to two types of dreams. Let me talk to you about them for a minute. They are what we call intrinsic dreams. These are internal dreams. These are dreams of self-disclosure. The vast majority of your dreams are going to be about you. They're about me. They're about us. So, an intrinsic dream, this is the 80% or more of the time, this is the dream that you're going to have as a believer. It's a self-disclosure dream. God's trying to do something. God's trying to show you something. He's trying to reveal something to you. They're about us. Now, you might dream about other people, but those other people are not really, they, they represent something to us that God's trying to speak to us about. The second type of dream is an extrinsic dream. They're external dreams of outside events. They may involve your personality, but you will also have a wider scope. Now, and they will relate to your metron. Metron is a Greek word, which simply means your sphere of influence. My dreams that are revelatory in nature will relate to my sphere of influence. I don't have any influence in Russia, so probably God's not going to give me a message to go preach to Putin. You understand what I'm saying? Your sphere of influence is going to be related to your sphere of influence. So when the Holy Spirit gives you dreams and other types of supernatural encounters, he does so according to the calling of God that's on your life. If you're called to be an evangelist, a lot of your dreams are going to be about evangelism. We receive according to our allotment or our sphere of influence. That's your metron. That's your sphere of influence. So when God speaks to you, he's going to speak to you related to the, the sphere of influence that you have. Now, some people have worldwide influence. Some people have regional influence. Some people have local influence. And it doesn't mean that one is greater than the other. It just, just means in the grace of God and in God's assignment on our life, he's given us authority within that sphere of influence, which is your territory, which is your inheritance, by the way. And he wants you to exercise that authority. He's going to speak to you based on that authority. Your sphere of influence is measured by three elements. Our measure of gift, our measure of authority, and our measure of faith. We receive revelation based on our measure of rule. So my influence is determined by these three things, the measure of my gift, the measure of authority that God has given me, and our measure of faith. Now you say, well, how do I know? Well, where do you work? Who's under your authority? It can be your home, your family. Those things are important. And these three elements will help explain why some people seem to have a greater sphere of influence than others. Some have a sphere of influence that's global in scale, but most of us operate on a smaller level, such as a community or local congregation. Now, so these could be dreams about your home, your children, your workplace, your local church, your city, or your nation. Now, most of us don't like where we work, so we're trying to get out of that place to get to the better place. And when we get to the better place, it's going to be just as messed up as the place we're in because it's got people in it, too. If you want to go to a perfect place to work, make sure there's nobody working there. But God has put you there. You have authority there. Why? Not because you're the manager, not because you're the supervisor, but because you're a child of God and you carry the presence of God on the inside of you. Therefore, you're the light in a dark place and God has sent you there to influence that place and change that place for his glory. I don't know how you're going to do that, but you pray, find the strategy, and you learn how to do it in the name of the Lord. And you let your light shine. You let the glory of God manifest through you. You show them what a real Christian looks like, and you exercise your authority, and you may be the only thing that's keeping that place in business. And when your time is up, God will say, time's up, and I'll have another door open for you. And, he'll, and if you'll be faithful there, he'll promote you from that place. Let's talk about dream language for a minute. i got a few minutes here. And we're going to get into this more in depth, so 
I hope you'll track with me. Dr. James Gold, I love Dr. James Gold's ministry. He said, dreams are as diverse as the language we speak, the clothing we wear, and the food we eat. Dreams are communication, expression of the creative heart of God. As the master artistically paints each flower of the field, so dreams are individually tailor-made for you and me. God is not a cookie-cutter God. When we, when we moved to Maryland uh, in 1998, I think it was, we started looking for houses. And we'd go in neighborhoods, and, and what they would do is developers would come in and they would have five styles of house in this development. So you could ride down the street and four of the houses on the street, four out of five would look the same. They might just have a different color. But they've just learned that we can put these houses up for so much and we can make so much. And, you know, they were little tweaks you could make to it and little add-ons you could do. But for the most part, you could go into developments and all the houses look the same. Well, to me, that was kind of boring. I thought, man, somebody ought to have some creativity, you know. Turn one of them houses upside down or sideways or something. And if you look at a lot of what we do today, if you look like they just put a new car wash up right up the street for me, Sparkles, I think's the name of it. They built that thing in no time. Why? Because it's, they've got it down to a science. Uh, different ones build, they have different companies and people work for those companies and they travel from city to city building coal stores or building Publix or, or doing those things. Why? They, they've got it down to a science. And if you go in one store, they all kind of look the same. They're all designed the same. They'll have little tweaks in them, but they all look the same. God's not in that business. God made all of us different. None of us have matching fingerprints. We can be identified by our fingerprints, but mine's not going to match Bess and or Michaela's. God has made us all individuals, and we all have individuality, and God speaks to us in our individuality. So that's why it's sometimes hard to just put certain dreams in and say, well, that just fits in this category and this means this. It could mean something different to you because God is speaking something different to you individually. That's why we have to have spiritual discernment when we begin to study these things and look into these things. So dreams from the Holy Spirit. Their dreams can come from three primary places, from the Spirit of God, from our own natural man, and the enemy can come and give us dreams. I believe that's what nightmares and night terrors are about i believe many times that's the enemy coming to try to give us dreams dr james goes list the following types of dreams i'll run through these very quickly tonight for the sake of time but we'll get into these more in depth there are 12 of them number one is dreams of destiny god will begin to speak to you about your destiny i know the plans i have for you says the lord god has a destiny for each one of us a prophetic destiny now here's the key it's not just going to happen here's what we say well god's in control God's in control, but you and I have a responsibility to press into the things of God and possess those things through faith. No, I got to press into it. I got to pursue it. The Bible says, seek and you'll find. So it's not just going to happen. Now, do I believe God's in control? Absolutely. I believe God's ultimately in control of this, of what's going on. I don't believe God's up in heaven pushing a panic button saying, oh no, God knows what's going to happen. He's got the end from the beginning planned out. He's the Alpha and the Omega. But for you and I, we have to press into what God has for us so that we don't miss what God has for us. And God will speak to you about your destiny and dreams. And these reveal part of the progressive calling of God regarding your sphere of influence. And sometimes this can take years to unfold. But God will begin to speak to you about that. Number two are dreams of edification. This is dreams that are filled with revelation and they produce hope. These are called feel-good dreams. God just does something in you, you have a dream, and you wake up saying, Whoo, hallelujah, dreams of edification. The third is, or I'm sorry, dreams of exhortation is the next one. And these are sometimes called courage dreams because they challenge you to take action. 
Dreams of edification produce hope, but dreams of exhortation, and that's, they challenge us to take action, they produce faith. God will speak to you in these dreams in order to produce faith. Number four are dreams of comfort. They serve to heal our emotion and our memories. We can use them to reinterpret circumstances of our past with a heavenly lens. They bring a heavenly perspective on an earthly situation. Sometimes we just need God to show up and do a healing in our emotions because we are fractured by what we've been through and what we've walked through. And that's the soulless part of you. See, you're a body, which is basically the shell that holds the real you. This body's dying, by the way. If Jesus tarries his coming, we're going by the way of the grave. But when the body dies... It's the spirit man that lives. The spirit man is really what's born again. Now, some don't make a difference in the soul and the spirit. Some count them as one entity. I do. I I believe the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. That's where the battleground is. That's where your attack from Satan is. That's where we war. The enemy comes to provoke you in your emotions in order to stir up some action to cause you to use your will to make a decision to do something. He wants to stir your emotions in order to provoke a reaction. So your mind, your will, and your emotions. God says you have to get your mind renewed. When you get born again, your mind don't get renewed. Your spirit man gets born again. Old things pass away, all things become new. You put on a robe of righteousness. You become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're made holy at that moment. You don't become holy by what you do. You, you are made holy the moment the Lord comes into your heart. But my mind still has to be renewed. That's the reason you can be born again and still have hang-ups in your mind about certain things. And as you begin to read and study the Word of God, the Word begins to wash over your mind. Your mind begins to be renewed. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. What is that being conformed to the world? Well, that's, you know, Pastor, that's smoking cigarettes and chewing tobacco and saying bad words. Well, that's a part of it. But it's also being conformed to the world in our thinking. It's conformed to the world and, and, and being bound by strongholds in our mind. God has to deal with those issues in our mind. That's the reason you can be a Christian and still be full of prejudice. Come on, somebody. God has to deal with that prejudice that's in your life. Now, I don't mean that you're a Christian and you're still living out here in sin and in the world. Beth talked about it. It's, it's this easy believism, this, this, this grace that says, you know, God's already taken care of my sins. I don't ever have to repent again. Well, that's not true. That's where unconditional eternal security is born out of that. That nothing I ever do will cause me to be lost. Well, read the Bible. Put your hand to the plow and look back. You're not fit for the kingdom. Judas, by transgression, fell. Fell from what? He wrote to the Galatians church and he said, you're fallen from grace. Now, it's not near as easy to backslide as we think it is. And we've preached it so good and so much that our people have practiced it. And we have eternal insecurity. And somewhere in the middle is the truth. Well, I'm preaching good and can't get no help in here. Now, but I believe that I can turn my back and walk away from God. I believe I can fall away and be lost. But the Bible says God's spirit is married to the backslider. And let me tell you, when you backslide, God will draw you back. He'll, he'll woo you back. He'll call you back. And I'm praying that a lot of prodigals and backsliders will come back to Jesus in these last days. But we don't have to live in such a fear that, man, I'm going to lose my salvation. No, the same God that saved me can keep me. But we also can't live with such a pride that we think, boy, I'll never do that. Let he that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There's a power in deception. Number five is dreams of correction. That's where God comes in. He just deals with character issues, heart issues, 
repentance issues. There are things we need to do in order to move forward in the things of God. Number six are dreams of direction. Paul had a vision. He saw a man in Macedonia crying out for help. And they followed out there. Him and Silas went out there. And guess what happened? Wound up in prison. He had a vision, which is simply the same thing. One just takes place while you're conscious and the other while you're in your subconscious mind. Number five, dreams of conviction. Six, number seven, dreams of instruction. These are primarily teaching dreams. God will just open up his word to you and show you something. Number eight, dreams of cleansing. These are called flushing dreams. If you dream about a bathroom and flushing things down a toilet, God is flushing something. He's cleansing something. I call these cleansing dreams where God deals with work in our soulish man. Listen, you can't hardly watch TV. If you, if you walk into a place of business and they're playing a song in that place of business, it gets into your subconscious. It gets into your thoughts. And God comes and he cleanses that area of our life sometimes. Sometimes you can see something. It offends you. Sometimes you, you can get an image that you just can't seem to, you, you can get that image in your mind and you can't seem to get it out. And it, and it defiles you. And God will give you a cleansing dream sometimes to cleanse you of those things. Number nine, dreams revealing the heart. They can show us where we presently stand with God. I will tell you something, the Holy Spirit will be extremely honest with you in your walk in relationship with God. Number ten, Dreams of spiritual warfare. These are calls to prayer. These are warnings. They're intercessory type dreams that reveal hindrances that are in the way. And they may include calls to worship and fast. You may wake up and say, hey, I've got a, I'm revealing this. I, I heard this teacher, this prominent teacher teaching one time. And he said for, for almost a month, for 30 days straight, he dreamed the same dream about warfare. God was teaching him, showing him what was going on. Sometimes God will open to us in our dreams what's going on around us in the spirit realm. I'm going to tell you something. There are angels and there are demons that are active in the world today. I don't see any. I'm not one that sees them everywhere I go. But if I have the gift of discerning of spirits, I'm going to see good and bad. If all you see is bad, something's out of alignment, something's wrong. We've got to deal with that. We've got to have some teaching. We've got to have some instruction in that. So... These are type dreams that will re are spiritual warfare. You'll be in a battle. You'll dream. And you'll know that, that what you're going through is not just a, a cycle of life or a part of life. But many times it has a spiritual application where the enemies come in the midst of that to do warfare. Number 11 are dreams of creativity. These are inventions and witty ideas. These are ideas that God can speak to you about to bless you. These are ideas that God can speak to you about. And you can say, wow, I dreamed about that. Then there are dreams of impartation. And that's where God can impart something into your life, even in that dream. It's a fascinating study in the Word of God. And if I had more time, I'd get into more, but we'll do that. I'm going to talk about the, the different dreams, and we're going to talk very specifically about dreams. How many of you have ever dreamed of a snake? Anybody? Okay, that's a warning. Snake's a serpent. You ever dreamed about a storm, a tornado? That's a warning. That's usually a warning dream. If you dream about a car, a car represents ministry. If you, a flying dream, those are good dreams. If you're flying in your dream, that means God's taking you somewhere. Now, you have to look. Are you on a slow airplane? Are you on a jet? Who's sitting with you in the dream on the jet? That's important. Are you flying low? That's, that's, that could be a warning. Did you miss your flight? There's something that's missing that's hindering you from taking flight. Stairways, that can mean that God's taking you to another level. You see, we dream these things many times, and what we've learned to do is we try to keep a journal and say, 
okay, God. And there are seasons where God will speak to in dreams, and then there are other seasons where I couldn't buy a dream. Some people say, well, you just dream all the time. I'm sure you do. But all dreams are not meant to just be from the Holy Spirit. He's not speaking every single night, and he'd overwhelm us if he did. But when you wake and you say, man, I know there was something different about that dream. Beth and I one time had a meeting scheduled. and We woke up that next morning and I said, I dreamed about a snake, a rattlesnake. She said, I dreamed about a snake too. I said, we're not supposed to have this meeting. God's trying to warn us that there's a plot, that the enemy's got a plot to use against us in this. So we... We prayed. We said, Lord, we take dominion over this meeting. We ask you to intervene in it. It wasn't about 30 minutes later, the other party called and said, we can't, we can't make this meeting. Something's come up. And I knew God had intervened in that meeting. See, the Holy Spirit knows things that we don't know. And sometimes he can't get our attention when we're awake because there's so many other voices that are competing for our attention. That we're not always listening. So sometimes when we're asleep and he's got our undivided attention, he'll speak to us in a dream. But there's a language that he uses. And the key is knowing the word of God and unlocking that language. 